Hello and welcome to the stories of Northern life from the Sault Ste. Marie Museum. Today we are going to talk about Gladys H. McNeese. She was a post-secondary educator, but was known by many for her work as a regional historian and author. So let's get into it. McNeese was born and raised in the Port Stanley St. Thomas area and studied herself first at the Victorian College in Toronto, then at the Ontario College of Education. After obtaining her teacher's credentials, McNeese would start in several positions across Ontario, including the Algoma College. Gladys was a teacher at Sioux Collegiate, or Sioux College as it is known today, from 1923 to 1969. She specialized in French, German, and modern history, and recalls teaching nearly every period of the day at the beginning of her time there. In her spare time, she was an art enthusiast, to the point of serving as president of the Algoma Art Society, and enjoyed recreational activities including canoeing and hiking. But what is most relevant to this but what is most relevant to this podcast is her contributions to local history. Gladys McNeese was a major figure in the Sault Ste. Marie and 49th Field Regiment RCA Historical Society, serving as its president for three years. She was responsible for many innovations, such as indexing the museum's collection. In fact, one can find many entries in it today that are credited to her. If you have ever visited Ermatanger Old Stone House, you also have her to thank for that. Originally, it was only meant to be a headquarters for the Algoma Art Society, but she decided to make it an accurate representation of how it looked back when it was built. Quite a bit of work and research was done by Gladys herself to make sure everything was as closely accurate as possible. If you didn't know, Ermatanger was a fur trader, merchant, partner in the Northwest Company, farmer, militia officer, and justice of the peace. The Ermatanger Old Stone House was built in 1814. It is the oldest stone building northwest of Toronto. In 1957, the house received national designation by the Historic Sites and Monuments Board of Canada. As a result of the efforts of Gladys McNeese and the city of Sault Ste. Marie. The city purchased the house in 1965 to rescue it from further ruin. It was her initial interest in the preservation and restoration of the residence that led her to continue to research Ermatinger and his family. McNeese's Ermatinger MSS was not complete when she passed away in June 1978 but she left the completed publication of her manuscript to Dr. Ian Brown, former principal and history professor at Algoma University College, and Miss Frances Health. And with that, the Ermatinger family of Sault Ste. Marie by Gladys H. McNeese was published in 1984. For all her hard work, Gladys was awarded the Outstanding Citizenship Award in 1969 and three years later, the Sault Ste. Marie Medal of Merit for outstanding achievement in the cultural field. She would pass away in 1978, like I said, 
But as this episode has covered, she's more than made a legacy of herself, and we have a lot of accumulated research and historical efforts to prove it. The Sioux Museum is happy to give her a further small honor. Now, I have for you an audio from a historical society meeting where Gladys talks on her research of the Ermatinger family in the Ermatinger Old Stone House. So you can end the episode here or continue to listen to Gladys herself sharing her new findings from her travels to Southern Ontario to gather more information on the Ermatingers, as well as came across some new findings on Colonel John Prince. Um, I left Sault Ste. Marie Friday, June the 7th, by the 11.30 plane, and reached the public archives in Ottawa in time to see Mr. H.A.H. Richardson, Chief of Research for Canada. Mr. Richardson is no longer Chief of Research for Canada. He is now Head of the Architectural Inventory uh, Research Division of National Historic Sites, Ottawa. That is uh, he is uh, making an inventory of all the houses in Canada uh, that are older than, uh, or that date back to uh, uh, 1880. Uh, he has already uh, completed the first 50 of these houses with pictures and a description of their history. Uh, I had phoned him before I left and he had already my past for the archives and the Ermkinger records from 1800 to 1827 as well as to earlier account books so that I was able to use them Saturday and Sunday. The, the Ottawa archives are open 24 hours a day, 365 uh, days a year. They're never closed, but you can't get books out after 5 o'clock. Uh, on Friday evening till Monday morning. So that was why I had to phone Mr. Richardson to get my pass and to get the books out uh, for me. Uh, he gave me for our research library extracts of the history of Fort Repentigny, also some Xerox copies of Ermentinger bills, one of which was of a special interest. That is September the 22nd, 1812. Charles Oaks Ermentinger uh, paid a bill for one double iron jack plane, one pair grooving planes, one smoothing plane, one set of saws, which would sound, what would you say, Mr. Short? Uh, like woodwork, wasn't that? And uh, this is uh, making the woodwork, and this was the year 1812, so that you would judge that the house was well up in 1812, at least. You have some words to say about this later, I expect. Uh, at least the first story would be up in 1812, possibly in 1811, but. Uh, that was the date, September the 22nd, 1812. You wouldn't get the planes for the woodwork, except uh, he was ready to put in the woodwork at the, the main part of the building done. And uh, it was Mr. Becking told me last uh, time that they sold sets of planes for the house. The planes went with the house 
so that the, in, any additional woodwork or repairs or so on would be made with the same planes. Um, Mr. Richardson was interested in the picture showing the progress of the old stone house uh, and asked for a copy of the whole letter proving the age of the sergeant house, that is the one that was built by Wayne Simpson, and also pictures of it. He's making a survey of all the old important houses of Canada and has completed the first 50 in the larger centres. The age limit is 1880, so the Bishophurst will be included also, photos of which will be sent, and its date and some of its history. I have done that, and he wrote back to thank me, saying that they would help him greatly when he continued his survey of the, uh, his, uh, the uh, important uh, historic uh, the dwellings of Canada. In going over the records of the Erlentinger family, I was on the out, uh, lookout for information, more of it, about how they lived, about the kind of furniture they used, and clues as to when the house was started and finished. Whenever I found anything of interest, I was to insert a slip of paper. Mr. Richardson promised to box the item uh, items Monday. There were many slips of paper showing the bills for the education of Charles, William, and uh, George, who died at the school in Chambly in 1822, and James, with the names of their textbooks, their French lessons, their Latin lessons, writing lessons, and, and also for doctor's fees, for medicine, blisters, I put down blisters especially, and you know what the uh, a fee for a blister would be, what would you suggest? <laughs> well, the blisters were mustard plasters, I suppose. <laughs> uh, uh, that bill, I haven't got that bill yet, but uh, uh, it, it was quite interesting. And also for clothes, so that we have an idea of the upbringing of the boys, I have here uh, one bill about the clothes. I, there were many bills. This is one about uh, that William Armitinger, the son of our Charles Oakes, uh, uh, bought uh, in the year 1828, April the 19th. He was then 17. He was going to school at the Montreal Academical Institution. And uh, it took me a long time to learn that word. Uh, and uh, studying Latin and uh, French and so on. Uh, he continued at the school. I was very uh, in interested in finding out. I thought, well, perhaps he's dropped out. But he continued at the school, and then he uh, entered into Samuel Gale's uh, law office. Here's the his suit. Is, uh, the age 17, he entered the Royal Montreal Cavalry and bought a CHUCCO, supposed to be some kind of hat, a blue cloth uniform jacket, laced, etc. Uh, a pair of gauntlet gloves, a cavalry girdle, a touch box, that is for firing his uh, uh, gun, a breech loader, a pair of regulation gray hunter's cloth trousers with a broad scarlet uh, cloth uh, stripes down the side seams, a pair of rich gilt shoulder scales, you know, you can guess what they would be. Uh, a black beaver hat, a, sink, a silk handkerchief, 
And then there was added on September the 27th to making a blue silk racing jacket and trimmings and a pair of white card breeches. There you have a picture of them all fitted out at that time. Uh, as to furniture, there was little mention. I found lists of kitchen utensils, dishes, cut glass tumblers, and wine glasses, and uh, cut glass carafes. And uh, in 1827, CO bought a chased silver tea service. Uh, is it something magnificent, uh, super fine, or something like that? I didn't put the word in. His brothers, however, ordered a his brother, however, uh, ordered. Um, a mahogany buffet, bedstead, sofa, and flaxen sheeting, and six rush bottom chairs, and two large rugs, which give us some idea of what they had. And then Mr. Richardson, I told him that I wasn't that successful in finding furniture, so he sent me a bill that came in a later book, 1828, August the 20th to a rosewood work table, five pounds. This is Charles Oakes bought a rosewood work table for five pounds, multiplied out by how much, 10 or 20? Uh, a chest of mahogany drawers, two tent beds, uh, they mean canopy beds, uh, two tent bedsteads, one dressing table, one wash hand stand, five table mats, repairing a sideboard, repairing a wash hand stand, a pine table, a wash hand stand, another one, and then a chest of uh, drawers, the same price so that they would be the mahogany dress chest of drawers, and eight Windsor chairs. Um, that was uh, most interesting because it does give us an idea of exactly how his Montreal house was furnished. Now, most likely the repairing the sideboard and the washhand stand would mean that uh, they, they, they were shipped from Sault Ste. Marie to Montreal. They had been used, uh, his buffet would have been used in the house here and then shipped to Montreal because that was the year he did move to Montreal. And then uh, we have also the Another bill about the same date, 27 yards of S fine carpeting. S would stand for super, super fine carpeting. So uh, that uh, does give us some more ideas about uh, what uh, he had. In addition to the bill for the planes, I found the bill dated August the 4th, 1814, in which he bought three ladders, 41 and a half feet uh, uh, long uh, and two ladders 20 feet. Uh, that I have uh, a bill here if you would like to look at these afterwards. It's a three a shell which is ladders and there's something that puzzled me in this bill very much. The last word, the last part after the two sets of ladders is an escalier which means a staircase and you take two pounds for the uh, staircase. It uh, seemed rather peculiar that when it was shipped from Montreal uh, here, uh, I don't 
But Charles Oakes' brother, Frederick William, acted as paymaster for many of his men, uh, put in brackets, he had 50 in his employ at the time of the capture of Mackinac. I kept the names of any he paid large sums to, hoping to find the contractor or carpenters who built the old stone house by referring to the uh, engagement engagements in the Superior Court in Montreal, as Mr. Richardson had for the carpenters who uh, rebuilt the Northwest Coast in 1817. We have the names of those carpenters who rebuilt the Northwest Coast and the amount that they were paid, $5 a month, $5 a month. Later in the Montreal Superior Court, the archives had been so well arranged that they were unable to find the engagements and protests which I also wanted. Charles Oakes traded not only at Sault Ste. Marie, but also had a post on Drummond Island and on St. Joe's Island, and traded also at Mackinac, where his brother George acted at a farm very often. So we had a great, we extended our knowledge about uh, the Ermitainers there. Sunday evening, I went to Montreal. I hoped for a visit to Les Ours. Monsieur Poupard's family home on the Richelieu, in which he lives five months of the year, which contains 300 years of family antiques. It was impossible, as his little son was in the hospital. However, I had two very cordial talks in his Montreal law office, where he carries on a large practice. He was most interested in our Ermentanger house <coughs> and the genealogy of the Ermentangers and their history. I gave him a copy of many of my notes, including the family tree. Uh, the Poupards, I might say, belong to the Duchesne family, and it was Carolyn Eliza Fuchero Duchesne, whom William Armentinger, we've just seen how he's dressed in 17, whom uh, uh, he married after he came back from this uh, exciting uh, experience in uh, Spain. Then, uh, uh, Mr. Poupard is also a Duchesne, and this is the family home, the home in which William's wife uh, died. Um, I gave him a, a copy of many of my notes, including the family tree. He's quite sure he has in his home at Les Ours the small oil paintings of our Charles Oaks and his brother Lawrence Edward, but he's trying to get a positive identification through an ancient relative. The flag also he has in his attic, a French flag given uh, most likely to by Oswa, or it was an ancestor of uh, Catuabita, the father-in-law of our Charles Oakes. Uh, the father of uh, the ancestor of Catuabita, probably in the 1700s, which Catuabita gave to his son-in-law, Charles Oakes E., uh, to exhibit in Montreal, according to the account in Warren and Neal. Uh, he said it was a blue woolen material, now somewhat moth-eaten, with white fleur-de-lis. Mr. Poupard had been told as a small boy that there was some story connected with it and was interested in the details. In his museum attic, he has uh, Ermentinger letters also, which uh, may throw a great deal of light on the Ermentingers. He's going to go through them and let me know. I hope for copies, I'm still hoping. 
he was also interested in the pictures of the old stone house and of the furniture we have already. He will look out for pieces for us. I spent a day at the Superior Court with Madame Beauregard, also a lineal descendant of the Duchesnes. We looked at the marriages of uh, Charles Oak's daughters and found the children of Francis, who had married Francis Perry. We may be able to trace descendants in Sherbrooke. They were descendants in Sherbrooke just before the 1900s. In the Gagnon collection in the Municipal Library, I read the splendid description of Sault Ste. Marie in William Kingston's Western Wanderings, 1854-55, a book we must have. There I met Madame Chiron Lajoie, who had just discovered fresh air and tinker material at Trois-Rivières and in the Chateau de Ramsey. A trip to the Molson Archives, which are in charge of Memphis Timpius Good, yielded an obituary of Frederick William Armitinger, a death notice of Charles Oakes, letters Charles Oakes wrote in 1830 from England, a Xerox of Simon McGilvery's letters explaining his, uh, the reason why he had become a bankrupt and his credit as a mo most fascinating document. A picture of the first Christ church in which uh, CEO's children were Christen, in which uh, uh, Charles Oakes was married, uh, from which uh, his children were buried. And I have that uh, picture uh, to show you here. This is uh, the First Christ Church. You may look at this afterwards. There are a number of other pictures uh, here. Uh, um, I found a bill for the spire. Uh, they built the church without the spire first. And there was a bill in or a receipt to Frederick William Ermtinger for 50 pounds as half of his contribution to the building of that spire. It's, uh, the church is very closely connected with the, all the Ermtingers. Um, um, I spent an evening with Mademoiselle Jacques, whose uh, great aunt was a sister of Carolyn Duchesne. She has some tales of William Armitinger and his children to tell. She will give something to our home. Two donations were also promised, one from Basil Hobbs' widow, who expressed great interest in our house, and another from Williams Ironside, also much interested. Read down the I tried hard but in vain to locate. The Ontario Historical Convention, moving on to Kingston, was a delight. A full report of the scholarly and stimulating addresses will be in the next issue of their magazine, so I didn't summarize them. The invitation to come to the Zoom was gladly accepted, not for next year, as that was promised to the Eastern Township, but for 1970. A very tentative suggestion was made that the convention might be larger and international with the Michigan State Historical Society. Dr. W.K. Lamb's address was especially interesting on the use and work of the archives. He spoke, too, of the project that we have initiated in our historical society this spring, that of recording the stories of older generations. It was uh, thought that that was such a worthwhile project. Uh, in London, 
I found nothing new in the original research library of the University of Western Ontario, but learned that the book, The Talbot Regime by Charles Oxenfinger, has become rare and is now worth $75. We have several, the last of which I received recently from Mr. George Hamilton of Bethesda, whose wife was the Ernfinger and who has given us other valuable books as well as the furniture. Ms. Kathleen Holland was interested and intends to make a donation. In Windsor, Mrs. Alan Prince drove me to the Amsterdam Museum, where we saw dueling pistols and guns which belonged to Colonel John Prince. Mrs. Prince thought these were unknown, but the curator wasn't so sure and will look up the exact terms of loan if you lend anything to a museum, according to papers that they signed anyway, if the per uh, that they can be received back by the lender during his lifetime, but if he dies, then it, they become the property of the museum. And this is uh, Prince may not be able to get any of these uh, uh, things. Uh, 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 there were other uh, exhibits of importance. Gift of the Princess, especially the beaded belt which Tecumseh had exchanged with Brock as they rode to capture Detroit. You remember the story of how uh, Brock uh, General Brock came rushing up with uh, all his troops uh, uh, and uh, they were exhausted and he thought uh, the people thought that he'd wait to capture to uh, uh, attack uh, Holland Detroit and uh, he said no we'll do it at once and he and Tecumseh rode side by side uh, to battle and Tecumseh was so impressed by his energy and his bravery that, that his words were there's a man that's General Brock Rock. He is a man, and they uh, they exchanged belts as they rode. So the belt came in some way into the Prince family, and it's now in a Tecumseh room, a picture of Tecumseh, various things there. It would be wonderful to have them for an exhibit here, I think. In Windsor, we visited the St. John's Church with its memorials to the Prince and read the bibliolic uh, inscription on Dr. Hume's uh, gravestone. Uh, in the museum was the exoneration of Colonel John Prince in Westminster when the Duke of Wellington spoke on his behalf. Pages of Xerox copies in an album. Some of his diaries were there. Those relating to the time when Colonel Prince was a judge here. Mrs. Prince is really over, and if possible, we shall hear some of them read by her grandson at the time of our opening. I told her that she wasn't to uh, uh, take too much out of them. We may also borrow the transcript of the trial for exhibit. I told Mrs. Prince we should like to receive one of the firearms that belong to Colonel John Prince, and possibly we shall, that's a fair possibility. Mrs. Prince is very interested in what is being done in the Sioux and hopes to be at uh, the opening. And that is uh, practically the end of the report. I hope I haven't bored you too much. <laughs> it was an exciting, interesting time. If you made it to the end of this episode, I thank you so much for listening and your engagement in learning a
Your engagement in learning more about Sault Ste. Marie history is amazing to see. Come back, a ne- come back again next week for another episode of the Stories of Northern Life from the Sault Ste. Marie Museum. Ciao for now.